Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters. That's the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. Um, this is our first current events episode of 2024, so welcome to the show. I'm Bruce Johnson, joined of course by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello everybody. And like I said, we're talking about current events. A huge, huge story has been happening over the past several weeks, I think probably going on a month now. And it needs to be discussed. And there have been a lot of interesting takes. There have been a lot of, uh, you know, just uh, Trump tarred, you know, uh, grease. What's the uh, flash flashes in, in, a, in a pan? Grease fire flash. Oh, grease fire. <laughs> not, not grease fires, but just, you know, flashes of excitement where nothing really happens. And it's also just a really weird take. And it's also just a Trumpian thing because they just mm-hmm. love Trump so darn much. So anyways, we're going to we're gonna hopefully weed through some of that, discuss the facts, discuss what's going on, discuss the repercussions of this, because this is much, much farther reaching than just Trump. Okay, this this if they succeed, thankfully, things are going well on our front for us, it would seem. But if they were to succeed, this would be horrific for several reasons that are far greater than just Trump. Mm -hmm. Um, And then at the end of the episode, I want to discuss in my theological wrap up um, how no system can replace the Holy Spirit. And that's what I've titled that actually. No spirit can, no system can replace the Holy Spirit. And um, fair warning, I I do rip into Trump a little bit in that one too. So, (laughs) so um, not that we're, you know, super aggressive or anything, but uh, there was a recent video that James White, Pastor James White posted that uh, I'd like to shed some light on. So, all right. But uh, before we get into all that, we have to do what we always do, which is talk about our verse of the week. Our passage this week is Psalm 2, verses 4 through 8. So four verses, but they're not super long. Um, and it's kind of the end of of Psalm 2, or the really the middle section of this poem, um, of this gospel message. Um, and so I'd like to, to read those four verses. Here we go. Psalm 2, verses 4 through 8. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and vex them in his, in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I will give thee the the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Psalm 2, 4 through 8. So this is, like I said, coming in the middle or the, the nearer to the end of this crazy crazy psalm like I, it, it's funny to me that that this is psalm 2 psalm 1 was like yeah this is you know wise counsel this makes a lot of sense don't sit in the counsel of the wicked right blessed is he who sits not in the counsel of the ungodly um talking about how you can be a blessed man what it looks like on your individual life and then psalm 2 boom right out of the gates <laughs> why do the heathen nations vainly rage ah you know like just in your face and this it, it doesn't stop there's no part of this psalm that is just, you know, oh, oh, okay, okay, let's, you know, let's calm down a little. Let's take it slowly. No, this whole psalm is in your face. Right? This whole psalm is like, boom, 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 one statement after another that modern even, you know, modern evangelifish hate 
like every part of this psalm goes against their whole squishy theology of do nothing. And it's just a limited gospel message that just sits in my heart. That's why singing psalms like this is so important. You sing this and you will get outside of that little squishy bubble that says, Jesus died just for my sins and give me a warm, Hmm. fuzzy feeling. And I'm going to do what I can, you know, to uh, put off my, my own individual sins. And I just can't wait to die and go to heaven. That bubble of ridiculousness gets popped instantly when you start singing psalms like this. This is warlike. This is strong. This is the conquering king. Ask of me, and I shall give you the heathen for your inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Think big, <laughs> right? This is the message here. Think big. This is not small. This is not just some, you know, small, isolated group of Christians. No. By the time Christ comes back, this world will be his. And it is his, but it will be even more visually his. It will be closer to the Garden of Eden than it is now by the time Christ comes back. And this psalm is introducing us to this theme that gets repeated over and over and over and over. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And this vision that's here in these verses, in this psalm, and throughout the rest of of the psalms, really, and the rest of scripture, this vision is what the people of the Republican Party today hate desperately, especially and particularly the leaders of the Republican Party. The idea that faith changes how they vote. The idea that faith and our faith, our the scriptures, the word of God, changes who we will and who we will not vote for. And that that is what we base our vote on. Not what we think is best, not what we think is going to win, not what we think is going to be this grand strategy that's going to get. No, none of that garbage. The word of God should determine how we vote. Full stop. End of sentence. And that's where this song comes into play. With that in mind, we're hitting it hard today. (laughs) Uh, Let's move into our current events and discuss this massive story that is now encompassing several states and isn't over yet, I think, Jake, right? Are there uh, litigations and things that are still happening? And this is a, an ongoing... I think it's, it's pretty bubble. much... I think it's pretty much set in stone at this point. Um, I don't think it's growing too much more. Maybe some more states might try. And the, I can't really get into this without getting into the actual story itself. But, um, but it really states can't can't try it unless they have a different way of going about it. And we'll, we'll kind of discuss that. But, um, we're again, like Bruce said at the beginning of the episode, we are in the first current events episode of the, of the new year of 2024. So, and of course with all new years comes all new problems. And when I say all new problems, it's the same problems just now with different faces on. Uh, so, uh, the year is now 2024, so we are in an election year. Of course, the biggest, biggest time for the Republicans to come out and say, let's vote, let's actually change something, thinking that voting is <laughs> actually going to do something. And, of course, we have to talk about elections like everyone uh, that is covering the news now. 
So this is an election year, so everyone is talking about the news. However, this is an interesting story that I think covers the news and talk. Sorry, covers the election and what's going on. Uh, but it talks about it. We we're going to be talking about it differently, but we're going to be talking about this in the sense of, well, really elections and what and what's going on with specifically Trump. So I'll cut it, go straight into this without um, too much delay. Uh, the Democratic Party is pushing to cut Trump out of the ballot in, in several states. So they're looking to keep him. So when you go to vote, there the ballots there. They're trying to keep his name off of those ballots. And this is happening in multiple states. Colorado was the first to sign um, a bill that would block Trump from appearing on the ballot for the 2024 election. Um, and yes, that... <laughs> To me, personally, that was completely unbelievable when I first heard it. And how how can a state decide? Like, this is, it, it made a little bit of a strange, um, at first, until you actually hear the argument, uh, which I will discuss at the very end. Um, but, like, how, how could a people... state just say, what was that? Yeah, well, I mean, these are the same people who are all like, democracy, 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 mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. without pulling in the republic side of things. They want pure democracy, right? What yeah. they just did, though, was exercise what? Republic. Yeah. Right? They mm-hmm. they took the, well, there are, there's a standard. I mean, that's not wrong. There's a standard. But that's not democracy, <laughs> right? Democracy is the people. The people are the standard. Whatever the people want, yeah, that's what that's right. So they've mm-hmm. literally like shot themselves in the foot for their whole democracy argument because they've just upended yeah. democracy. <laughs> right. right, right. So you know how how could how could a state do this? And and now uh, as we're getting into the story, this is multiple weeks long. Colorado is not the only one to do this. But it was it was the first in a short list of states. It, it hasn't happened in multiple uh, states. It's it's just just four states. However, when you start in four states, it, it's going to start spreading out to several it's other states. Like a new state every week for a while. There it was it's kind of crazy. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so, like I said, there are three other states aside from Colorado, um, and that would be Colorado. Uh, Michigan, um, California, and Maine. Each has their kind of like their own story as to how they dealt with it and how they went about putting together a a block and stuff like that. And I want to get into each one and what each state kind of did and really how how things were, I want to say resolved, how things were um, finished. So first, I want to talk about Colorado. Hopefully, this will make a little bit more sense when I finish talking about a state. So Colorado, while while kicking someone out of the ballot because they hurt your feelings is absurd, <laughs> it's certainly not outside of the regular everyday occurrence in Colorado. Uh, <laughs> they are very big on all the new fads when it comes to wokeism. Um, and this kind of crazy is not unexpected. However, something, uh, that must be pointed out. And as a Christian news analyst, I I gave myself that title. 
I have to give the uh, good side of the story. Uh, Colorado. So after after this um, after they put through this this block on uh, on Trump in the ballot, they they put this bill out. It's been up there. I think it was up there for about a day, maybe maybe a little bit longer. I don't think it was very long. The Colorado Supreme Court, right after that, uh, in a spark of sanity, thankfully, struck down the new idea. Uh, while and while that was very relieving, we still have several of other states which are still needing to be taken care of, and are still like we're they're still dealing with it. So, thankfully, Colorado got rid of it, and. In a sense, I think for me personally, while at first I liked the idea of kicking Trump out of the ballot, I'm like, oh yay, we can we can get Trump out of here, really? <laughs> I I think it's I think that's kind of like what everybody was like, oh, hey, look, we can get Trump out of here. Yay. And and that's both on the Democratic side that were like, oh, because we hate Trump. And then it's also on the Republican side because we're like, uh, we think Trump's a little wishy-washy here. We want yeah, someone a little bit better, like someone Ron better DeSantis. And Rob, yeah. yeah, yeah. However, however, what this does is that if they were to do this, right, it would set precedent that they could do that for anybody, right? Yep. So if they did this for Trump, they can then do it for Ron DeSantis, and then they could do it for anybody they don't like. Yep. Which they already have, personally, on what I think, they they already have um, the vote. Like, they can already steal the vote. I'm and at first I was like, what's one more thing? They're just going to, if they're just going to steal the vote, what's the point of kicking anybody off the ba ballot? They just decide they don't want that person in. And Yeah. But uh, they're not in, you know. But. Now, I have to take some time here to discuss why this is, well, and, and this is kind of what I'm doing. We're, we're discussing why this isn't a good thing, right? Because, again, that, that precedent issue and the fact that this could be used for anything coming up. And I've, I've kind of discussed precedent before, but what it is is that when one case is decided, and I'm giving a brief summary of this because maybe the new year, new people are listening. Um, but basically, when a case is decided one way, they basically decide that for all other cases going forward, that's how they're going to decide. Or like when a new case comes up, they'll look back through old cases and say, oh, that's how they decided on this one. Well, that's how we're going to do it. Instead of taking the actual situation as it comes, they decide, oh, we're just going to do it if if that if that's how they did it before, then that's how we'll do it now. So, um, same same, and I, I mentioned cases, but that's kind of the same for these types of bills. That's why the the type of um, uh, abortion bans that were going through was so important because if one state could put through an abortion ban, they could another state could then use that precedent to put through another abortion ban. And that's how we kind of use precedent to our favor. However, this wouldn't be a good thing. So without without kind of delaying this, I, I want to get into California. And California was very surprising, and it took a turn. Like, it, it took a, a, a weird turn from where California normally would go. 
uh, California has decided not to ban Trump on the ballots. However, and this is this is the this is the California ease right here. Sorry, no, this is this is the California nature coming in. Um, that decision was not made lightly. They they went through weeks of trying to figure out whether or not they could actually do this legally. They I was reading through this whole article saying all of the different things that they were going through, all these different loopholes they were trying to figure wow. out. But ultimately, they decided, nah, it wasn't going to work. The uh, governor of California made it clear that she intended to cut Trump out of the 2024 ballots. However, the Secretary of State, uh, while the Secretary of State was trying to find ways, could not find any legal reason for doing so. And therefore, in the end, the final verdict is Trump is allowed on the 2024 ballots in California. So they didn't even put through a ban at all. They just they just were mulling over the idea and talking about it. And they decided that we can't we can't do it legally. So interesting that they yeah. they decided to think through something before acting. Um, Maine took similar action. Uh, the main secretary of state ruled that Donald Trump was barred from the uh, 2024 uh, ballots. However, unlike any other story in this matter, the secretary of, of, of state suspended her own ruling. So it may never take effect now. So the secretary wow. of state put through this bill or sorry, put through this ruling and then said her own ruling was suspended until further notice. Wow. So she's the one who put it through, and then she's the one who kind of, like, took it away. And kind of what the article that I was reading said is that we have no idea if it's ever going to come up again. She has no interest in bringing it back out of suspension. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Maine is just all over there. Um, so Michigan is the final state to be discussed on the list. So all of these, a ban was taken away, is gone. Um, Except that and Colorado's is going up to the Supreme Court. So that one's still to be determined. But yeah, yeah, it's still being it's still being worked through. Yeah. Um, and I want to briefly go with this one for the sake of time uh, for. And so I'll, I'll get straight into this Four Michigan voters voted on a bill to ban Trump from the ballots. However, it was struck down by the Michigan Supreme Court. Um, so basically what the Supreme Court has said is like, there isn't enough um, information here to pers persuade us. And so we're done with that. And that's done. Wow. <clears throat> so someone brought it up as a bill, as a, as a thing to go through. The Supreme Court was like, nope, we don't like that. And so that's over. And that's done. And from a legal standpoint, and I liked this article that I was reading specifically on Michigan because it was talking through all of the um, the legal proceedings and all of the, the arguments that were being used and why Trump was being banned. Um, because that's that's what I was wondering the entire time as well is like, wait, how is how is he getting banned? What is he getting banned for? Because we all know that he's been going through a lot of recent um, case uh, court cases. So I was thinking, oh, maybe maybe one of those went through and it caused him to um, it caused him to 
uh, get banned. It caused them to be able to continue with that going forward. And it doesn't seem like that is the case. And so from a legal standpoint, I wanted to discuss the the arguments on both sides. Um, How and really how these bans can get as far as they do. And what are the arguments that strike down these bans? And of course, as I was digging, it all leads back to January 6th. Uh, Trump has been labeled an insurrectionist, whether that be legal or just by hearsay. Section 3 of the the 14th Amendment uh, was added after the Civil War to stop any state from seceding from the Union. Um, Any insurrectionist or person trying to start a rebellion cannot hold political office. And kind of that's that seems like a basic basic rule. Anyone who's who seems like a rebel and seems like a um an insurrectionist, yeah, they maybe they shouldn't be holding political office. I, I kind of feel like that makes sense. Um but that was added on a later section of the um constitution. And really that argument is sound, especially and the argument that Trump is an insurrectionist does sort of seem sound, especially if the, your only source of information is CNN or the alphabet soup known as our current uh, news programs. However, once you hit a Supreme Court that mostly uses facts in most of its cases <laughs> and real-world data, the arguments kind of break down really fast. When you start pulling in video clips and actual footage of what Trump said and did, and especially yep. of what the people at January 6th actually did, which Bruce and I have discussed multiple times on the show. So with that said, that's kind of kind of the rundown as to what's been happening uh, on that on that situation. So really, it, yep. I, thinking about it, it looks good. Looks looks like nothing's going to come of it. Yeah, it um, unless someone finds a loophole that we weren't expecting. It seems like what we've done is we've <clears throat> we've kind of stuck a maybe a, a two foot cork in about a, a quarter mile hole in the Titanic. <laughs> mm. <laughs> right. So, oh, good. That little spot right there is not going to leak water. Woohoo. You know, there's <laughs> just it's it's such a temporary yeah, patch. It's a lot. Because the yeah. fact that there's four states with enough people and enough people in, in power in those states to even do something like this for it to have to be overturned, that's a little like, wow. <laughs> like, we're, mm-hmm. we're that far gone, you know? Um, but at least, you know, God in his mercy has uh, kept it from going further as far as, you know, as far as it could go. But it's, it's just kind yeah. of a miracle that it hasn't you know, gone further. But the next attempt, you know, it's it's going to be more well thought out and they're feeling the waters. And yeah. So on that front, yes, we have a system. Yes, we have things that are succeeding for now, but no system can replace the Holy Spirit. And that's why I want to spend my time here in my theological wrap-up discussing how no system, no human man-made system can replace the Holy Spirit. Quote, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it 
completely. Proverbs 28, verse 5. A few days ago, Pastor James James White uh, shared a video on Twitter showing, once again, the egotistical and downright wicked nature of Donald Trump. The blowback from the Trumpian mob was, as you'd expect, for decades now, the response to any sort of critique of a Republican candidate has largely been a rather rattled and incredulous cry of, oh, so, so you want the Democrat to win? The obvious answer is, of course, we don't want the demon rats to win. But we often stop there, wondering to what else we can appeal to make them see sense. Is getting in a Republican all that matters? Is playing the game the pinnacle of success? Certainly, there must be more than simply electing rulers who kind of sometimes maybe say they'll act on our behalf, which is, let's face it, that's Trump right now. As opposed to the other guy who says, you should stop driving, building, selling, or breathing unless he gives the go-ahead. What else is there? How do we navigate a country where our side values their version of the system above all else? That's what I hope to answer today. First of all, systems are good things. Our king is a god of order. He does not want societies to be in disorder and chaos. God gives us his scriptures, which outline the only way to have a truly functional society. And I can't make this any plainer than by pointing to the fact that there are literally entire books of scripture devoted to how societies are supposed to be run. For instance, there's Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and one could easily raise the point that the entire Bible is a collection of cultural principles relating to some sphere or other of society, from the state all the way down to the individual and everything in between. Quote, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. Uh, No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together, they've become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Romans 3, 10 through 12. God gave us these systems and principles because our fallen state necessitates something outside of ourselves for guidance. If we are to avoid falling into complete insanity and collapse, look around you. (laughs) We are not capable of creating sustainable and well-formed societies apart from Christ and the inspired word of God. This should be obvious, right? If this is news to you, uh, you know, welcome to the show. Welcome to Christianity. We're glad you're a new believer. The founding fathers knew this, which is why they quoted the book of Deuteronomy more times than any other source during their deliberations that led to the writing of the Constitution. Quote, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Isaiah 64, 6. Because of our fallen state, societal systems are absolutely vital, but, but, while these systems are important, They need to be biblically derived ones. Using our own pragmatically created systems would be like using filthy rags as window shades in a beautiful house. Tools are useless without a person to use them. John Adams is quoted as saying, quote, Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Biblical systems for cultural Uh, Christianity, but also for culture, were created by God and given to us to be used used by a people restrained by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Pastor Wilson says, says this well in his book, Mere Christendom, quote, Christ is the foundation of every true form of liberty. Civic liberty is an impossibility for a people who are enslaved to their lusts. For such a people, 
constitutional liberties are nothing but paper liberties, the kind of thin surety that tends to satisfy slaves who need to be flattered by their masters. Douglas Wilson, Mere Christendom, page 113. These wonderfully created systems of limited government and separately delegated powers will not work in a country filled to the brim with secular humanists. Atheists, also known as fools, Psalm 14.1, are incapable of accounting for anything in God's created world, let alone inalienable rights. As Pastor Wilson outlines in his book, Mere Christendom, it's impossible to have guaranteed rights when the civil government is in charge of your rights. Your rights have to come from someplace higher. There must be a place to which we can appeal when our rights are infringed upon. Otherwise, the civil government is the highest point of appeal, and whatever they say goes. In other words, civil government is God. Kicking and screaming at the king of the universe. Quote, And there is none that calleth upon his name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us, and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. Isaiah 64, 7. Ever since the fall, our hearts have been starkly against our Lord and Creator. We stupidly delude ourselves into believing we can act however we want and simply live with the consequences. Then, when cause and effect kicks in, we complain, why is God so unjust? We see years of prosperity in America and think it was us and our precious documents that made history. We see corruption and a failing nation, and we think the answer is to elect an egotistical heathen. Quote, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Romans 1, 21. Unfortunately, that verse, that one right there that we use against the heathen all the time perfectly sums up the state of the Republican Party right now. They knew God. Most even claim to still know God. Republicans are largely known as the party of faith, and yet... They refuse to take seriously their responsibility to bring the word to bear on all areas of life. They just want to, quote unquote, win, which is easy if you keep changing your definition of what it means to win, <laughs> right? Winning used to mean a nation discipled for Christ. Now, it just means enlarging the civil government through military might or the police force, back the blue, right? That, you know, despotic phrase, and our heathen education system. That's what it means to win now? Wow, how far have we fallen? Bringing the word to bear. As Christians, it is our duty to bring the word of God to bear on all aspects of life and culture. Mimicking Christ's humble boldness, we should be the ultimate culture shapers. Through Christ, we have been charged with discipling every nation on earth. When a nation is discipled properly, every facet of their societal day-to-day -day lives will be done in a Christian manner. That is Christendom. That is the goal. And that is exactly what Christ is doing right now through his church. Unfortunately, many churches refuse to acknowledge their mission, but gradually more and more are waking up to this reality. What we need to do is pray that, that this number increases and God brings reformation to this crumbling, withered husk of a nation called America. And we need to get to work knowing Christ is with us in all our toils. Quote, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. 1 Corinthians 15, 
25 through 26. So thank you all very much for listening or watching. Uh, go to our website, TRD Show, and follow us on all our social media platforms. We've got another episode coming out for you on Wednesday and then another one on Friday. It's going to be a busy week. So our calendar is on our website. Uh, actually, it's on our social media pages. So check those out. Uh, but we hope you enjoyed. And we're looking forward to seeing you on Wednesday. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord. Thank you.